Good morning, Grand Rising, beautiful Daily Huddle family. I am your host for the Thursday Spiritual Matters, Dr. Monica Orlando. And I am delighted that we are here today because, listen, if, if the conversation that we're about to have is as juicy as the conversation that we had before we went live. <laughs> we are in for a great ride. And I have a quote for you that's going to kind of give you an idea of what we're about to talk about today. This quote is from James Allen, who wrote the book, As a Man Thinketh. And he says, you will become as small as your controlling desire and as great as your dominant aspiration. So we're gonna be talking about, is it true that as a man thinketh, as a human being thinketh, so is he or she? We'll talk about it today. Welcome to Thursday Daily Huddle Spiritual Matters. The Daily Huddle is a growing tribe of passionate people who want to uplift humankind through their work and throughout their communities. We invite you to elevate the way you experience life through rich and inspiring conversations with today's thought leaders. Be prepared to challenge your views about leadership, health, money, spirituality, communication, and relationships. Welcome to The Daily Huddle. Good morning. Good morning once again. Doctora Monica Ogando here in Servicio to Humanity. (laughs) That was very Spanglish. (laughs) Thank you so much, everybody, for being here. I so appreciate that you make time to join the Daily Huddle family every weekday at 9 a.m. Eastern. For some of you, that's 6 a.m. Pacific time. For some of you, it's even earlier, sometimes later, whatever time it is and whatever part of the world you're in. I am so glad that you are here with us. Today, we're talking about, is it true that whatsoever a man thinketh, so is he? And that's why I gave you the quote of you will become as small as your controlling desire and as great as your dominant aspiration, because I think that there is a floor and a ceiling to our consciousness, both individually and collectively. There are certain places where we won't go. Our consciousness won't allow it. It, We won't go as low as that below our floor and we won't go above our ceiling. And so the whole point of and evolution and maturity is to raise the floor and the ceiling, right? And it makes me think about just the biological movement and maturity of a human being. Like, for example, when you were three years old, think back to you as a child. When you were three or four, let's say five, whatever your earliest memory of yourself as a child was, you used to wear certain clothes of a certain size. And you used to have certain activities in your, in your day-to-day life. Um, maybe you had a nap in the middle of the day. Maybe you didn't like to nap, but you were forced to by mom or dad or a caregiver or grandma or tia or whatever. Um, you ate a particular way. You went to sleep. In a, you know, there's a certain level rhythm to your life when you were a child. Some of it imposed by your caregivers. Some of it was just as in because you were a child. So there's play involved and there's, you know, um, birthday parties involved or whatever the case may be, um, that are, that are native to childhood. And then as you got older, perhaps when you became a teenager, those things, of course, your clothes got bigger, 
Yeah, because your body got bigger, so your clothes got bigger. And then your day-to-day activities were different because now maybe now you're starting, you're going to school and you have a lot of self-managing skills that you didn't have when you were three. Now you can dress yourself. Now you can feed yourself when you're a teenager. Um, maybe even if you're old enough to be a teenager, to you know, in your teenage years, you could drive, et cetera, right? So now you have some skills that are part of your day-to-day life. And as you continue to use those skills, they kind of become unconscious competence. So how many of us say yes in the chat? How many of us have ever driven, gotten in the car, gone somewhere where you always go, be it the supermarket or your office or whatever, and you almost like, how did I get here? Because <laughs> you weren't even thinking. You do it so often that you don't even think about what you're doing. You put the car in drive, you reverse, you park, you, you know, watch traffic laws, you stopped at a red light, et cetera. And some of these things you did it without thinking because you've, you've done it so much that it becomes unconscious competence. And then there are some parts of your life that there's always some kind of growth edge. You've never not had a growth edge. From the moment you were born, you've had growth edges. And what I mean by that is things that are available to you, but that aren't, but you're, quite, you're not quite competent in yet. So when you were born, you had the, uh, the ability to sit up <laughs> was three, four, five months away from your time of birth, but it wasn't available at your time of birth, right? Your ability to walk was perhaps a year, 13 months, 14 months away from your time of birth, but it's not available right now in your time of birth, right? And so, and that's true as you move through your life. That there was a time when, um, you know, speaking your native tongue, your whatever language you learned when you were a child, be it Spanish, like it was for me, or English, like it was for some of you, or French, or whatever the case may be, um, that was available too. But it wasn't until, you know, your tongue matured, your throat matured, when you, you modeled enough, you heard it enough, you started to then babble <laughs> and form syllables, and eventually that became um, intelligible words, et cetera. And that is the same thing that happens, just that it has, it happens biologically, socially, culturally, psychologically, emotionally. It also happens spiritually. That there are <clears throat> certain knowingness or skills even that are available to you at your growth edge, but you, you've got to grow enough to get there, to confront them, to kind of meet them and then grow beyond them, just like you do at the physical level, at the emotional level, et cetera. And so when we say, as a man thinketh, so is he, we're talking about the thing that constantly happens in your mind. And I've heard Giovanni say this. I've heard many, many wise people say this. And it takes me back to being like centered into my own consciousness, which is you are an already existing conversation. Let me say that again. You are an already existing conversation. If we just kind of like have a sneak peek into what happens in your mind, how you talk to yourself about yourself when no one else is in there, when you're not dialoguing with other people, what do you say about you, about the world, about your relationships, et cetera, when you're just kind of like in your own head about it? Perhaps you say some things like, ah, here we go again, as though living in this world is an inconvenience or it's a pain in the ass. Or perhaps when you um, are meeting up with a friend, 
you're kind of anticipating what they're going to say, what you're going to say, what they want from you, et cetera, as though it's transactional. Maybe instead of just being in the moment of looking forward to uh, enjoying somebody else's company. Or perhaps when you look at yourself, maybe when you get out of the shower and you look at yourself in the mirror, you start examining the places where you've gotten old or where you've gained weight or lost weight or a gray that wasn't there yesterday. Look at me, look at my grades, you see? And so when you start examining yourself like that, what do you say about it? Do you say this is a good thing? Are you appreciating it? Or is it more from a place of judgment and evaluating and like it's, it's decreasing in value? So I want you to think about the conversation that you are already in and then your relationships, your circumstances, the world that you live in, the occupation that you're in, the meetings you take, the friendships you have, et cetera, are all on top of that already existing conversation. And so then what happens is that when you generate a particular result in that relationship or in this money or in this career, et cetera, et cetera, it's not very different than the conversation that you already are that it's sitting on top of. Because that conversation, that way of being is the foundation, the context for those relationships, those circumstances, those meetings, that career, et cetera, et cetera. Does it make sense what I'm saying? And this brings me back to the quote that we opened today with, which is, you will become as small as your controlling desire and as big and as great as your dominant aspiration. So if the controlling desire and, and controlling desire kind of implies like an egoic thing, like controlling like the thing that anchors you, the thing that is a gravity that holds you down or holds you back. If your controlling desire is about, I need whatever happens out there, I need to be liked. Or whatever happens out there, I need to feel like I'm in control. Then if, if the conversation is I need to be in control, you have a hard time with surrender and vulnerability and authenticity because there are things that you can't control when you're just being yourself. And if control is important to you, you won't allow yourself to go there. That's the growth edge for you, right? If being liked is the controlling desire, being approved of or external validation or whatever, not to say that that's a bad thing, it's just something for you to observe. But if, if, if that's the controlling desire, then you won't say some things that may be true and useful, but if it, if it risks your likability, you won't say it. If it risks um, being the pleasant one or the liked one or the popular one, then you won't dare because the controlling desire is, I would rather be liked than be truthful. And my invitation to you is, let's get honest. You don't have to get honest with me, but let's get honest with ourselves about what is it that is the anchor that I have been allowing in my life to bring me back to kind of like ground zero. Let me give you some examples. I just gave you two, right? Like the, the whole thing about being liked or perhaps being in control. Maybe the controlling desire is avoiding pain. Maybe the controlling desire is avoiding pain. And of course, the younger sister of avoiding pain is avoiding discomfort, right? And so if discomfort or pain is something that you're avoiding, then you won't put yourself in unfamiliar situations, or you'll try to make it as familiar as possible as so as to minimize discomfort and pain. Like maybe you'll go to a party, but you'll go to a party where you don't know people with someone you know, <laughs> right? Or maybe you will 
move to a different city, but move to a city where you know you'll find a job or you know that you'll um, have people that are already there or that has come highly recommended by people that whose opinion you trust, et cetera. It won't just be because I decided. Good morning, Cece. <clears throat> so I want you to think about what are some of the anchoring controlling desires that might bring hold you back and perhaps the way to say it to phrase this is just like I said now with the controlling desire of like uh, being liked I would rather be liked than say than speak my truth sometimes when we put it in that way it feels so confrontive it feels like ugh. I mean that's true but I don't want to admit that <laughs> right <laughs> and so the invitation is what is it that you um are thinking what is that controlling desire and then what's the great aspiration because that's the floor and the ceiling of your consciousness right the controlling desire might be about external validation and the greatest aspiration might be to impact people Right. And so if the controlling desire is to be liked, but you also want to impact people, you're going to have to let go of this a little bit in order to be able to rise to this. But you have to know what they are so that you know what your range is. Make sense what I'm saying? So I'm going to open it up because I want some dialogue. And I saw Giovanni raise his hand earlier. So Giovanni, come on up and tell me what you got, what's on your mind. Okay, great. So what I was discovering in your as you were speaking, I was looking for my controlling desire. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I think if I could point to it, right, it's not enough thinking to be sure, but if I could point to it, it would be this desire to be loved, to mm-hmm. be admired and to be loved. And um, and it prevents me from being authentic, right? And then my biggest desire is to make a difference into human consciousness. That's like in the way people think and relate to life and to the way they relate to themselves. Mm -hmm. And so um, I have found myself in this conflict internally and with others when they both meet. Like I can't make a difference many times if I am committed to being liked or to being admired, to being loved. I can't make a difference. It's really annoying for someone to be with someone who wants to be loved. It's just like, ugh, really, you want love? (laughs) And then at the same time, um, that's not my ultimate desire either. And so there is this this soup that happens, Mm -hmm. if you you will, emotionally. And at this point, I think that my ultimate desire wins most most of the time, not all the time. Uh, But sometimes it doesn't. And mm-hmm. so it brings conflict at home. It brings conflict in my, with my friendships. If it, it brings conflict when I'm leading. So fix me a little bit, if you could. <laughs> fix me, he says. I love it. Well, here's the great paradox and kind of like irony of, of human consciousness. <laughs> human consciousness. Um, there's a quote in the Bible. There's a verse in the Bible that I, that I really like, which says it's Matthew 6, 33. Some of you might be familiar with it, which says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added onto you. And what I have interpreted that, um, verse to me is that when I go after my great aspiration, my controlling desire gets met too. 
So when I go after, like to use your example, when I go after this desire, this at this aspiration to impact people, and I'm willing to sacrifice, we'll, we'll get into the etymology of the word sacrifice a little bit. I'm willing to sacrifice my need to be loved because I'm willing to sacrifice it. I get that too. And there are, there are plenty of examples in, in sacred scripts, in sacred scripture, where <clears throat> because you're willing to sacrifice the lesser, you don't have to give it up. Um, that was the conversation around Abraham sacrificing his, his son and um, et cetera. So the word sacrifice, I want, I want you to look at the word sacrifice. Um, the F-I-C-E part of it comes from the Latin facere, which means to make. And the S-A-C-R part of it comes from sacred, the word sacred. So to make sacred, sacrifice means to make sacred. And so what are we making sacred? We're making sacred that great aspiration. We're offering this lower thing as an offering in the altar of this greater thing. So for example, when you're sacrificing time so that you can get up early and go work out, you're sacrificing the comfort of sleeping in for the great aspiration of getting healthy and being fit and so forth, right? And so in your, in your example, you're sacrificing this need to be loved for the greater aspiration of impacting people. And what ends up happening is this thing that you're sacrificing, you get to take it with you. It gets to create a, a, a greater satisfaction than, than the sacrifice is. And so that's the, but it takes a risk. It takes a risk because there's this liminal space between going for the aspiration, there's this bridge of going for the aspiration and not quite having achieved it yet. So this, this bridge feels like I have neither the love or the service. <laughs> so you're like, ah, which shore am I gonna go hang on to then? And you just gotta keep swimming to that, to that aspiration so that you can bring the other shore with you. Does that make sense what I'm saying to you? Yes, yes, when I have, um a place that I have come to sit on, if you will, and I'll sit with it for a little while, is a little bit of what you're pointing to. It's um, that the the how did you call the the the, the emotional control that the thing the emotion that controls me? How did you call it? The controlling desire. The controlling desire is bankrupt. If you will, there's, it's like a hole. It's always there. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really fulfill me yeah. necessarily, but I can't get rid of it. It's something for me to like notice. It's just gonna be there. Yeah. And uh, no matter no matter what happens, you know, whether it's my greatest realization professionally or the greatest place I go on vacation, mm -hmm. it shows up. Yeah. Are you sure you love me, Monica? Are you sure? Yeah. And it is so, um, what do you call that? Uh, it's such a burden. It's so, it's like, ugh. it's unrelenting. It's so <laughs> annoying. Um, and so what I'm hearing, what you're saying is, um, keep redirecting my intention into the greatest desire. And that, that and, and things get balanced moment to moment. Yes, they get balanced moment to moment. And we would do well 
to speak to and honor that controlling desire, give it words. It's kind of like when we, when our kids go into our bed because they're afraid of the monster under their bed and we take them to their bed and look under the bed and it's like, there's no monster there, but you have to be willing to look. And it's the same thing. You have to be willing to articulate that controlling desire and it wrests power from it. If I say to Giovanni, if I have this controlling desire to be loved, for example, Giovanni, and we have this conversation and I say to you, okay, but I'm gonna need you to give me some credit for what I just said, that you said is brilliant. I need you to give me some credit, love up on me. Come on, tell me how great I am, <laughs> right? When we say that, when we give it words, that controlling desire isn't this big monster under the bed anymore. Now it can be funny. Now it can just be an ego trick. Now it can just be entertaining and it can be the adorable part of you instead of this greedy sieve that takes the energy out of the room. And so this, this is one of the ways that we navigate ourselves without being wrong about it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Cece, you have something? Donde está Cece? Unmute yourself. Good morning, everyone. Hello. Can you hear me? I hear you fine. Yes, I just love this subject because one of my um, desires underneath all this personality is fear. And so now I'm taking fear and all the other things that God is revealing to me, not for me to look at anyone else, but to look at myself and change. And that's what I'm sacrificing. I'm giving up being fearful to face all the battles. Fearful of what, I wonder? Fearful of what, I wonder? Fearful of what? Fearful. One of the fears is to speak in, in, in front of an unknown audience. Yeah, because why? What's the negative consequence you think might happen? Uh, I might get stuck or I might be afraid and not say anything. And so now I'm facing that through com comedy. Mm. And, and, and with comedy, you could see everything in a person. Yeah. The good and the bad. So yes. I'm looking at myself because I said, well, I don't have, I have everything to gain is to sacrifice whatever flesh attitude that I have in my thinking to get it out of the way and expose it for what it is and keep moving because that's yeah. become my biggest asset. That's great. I love, I love what you're bringing here, Cece, because this is one of the other controlling desires that we human beings have. This is across cultures, across generations, genders, races, et cetera, to look good. And there's, I'm sure some of you might relate to this, that some of us got the attention and the approval of our parents by performing, by being good, by doing our homework, by making our bed, by eating our vegetables, by being polite to the, the strange adults that came to the house and we have to hug people we don't wanna hug because that, that it would be rude not to. And so when you perform, then you get loved and you have to be good in order to be loved. And that's, that's, I think what you're, what I'm hearing and what you're saying, Cece, is that you're willing to give up and to sacrifice uh, looking good or having it all together in order to get the greater desire, which is to actually be the authentic self-expression of, of your greatest, of your, of your heart. And sometimes that looks messy. Sometimes that's chaotic. Sometimes it doesn't look good. Sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes jokes don't land. Sometimes the intention of our communication doesn't have the impact that we want. 
and and then we get to have it do it over again and then that that process sometimes gets messy um but we have to be willing to be in the messy middle right we have to be willing to be in the messy middle and go to that greatest aspiration instead of sh- shirking back to the controlling desire so thank you for presencing that who else has something stan i see you percolating <laughs> i see you percolating over there no i was just i was just thinking i was just thinking doc i'm just taking it all in i don't, yes. I don't have a comment right now percolating that's what i meant percolating okay sorrel you got something yeah so dancing to the equivalent of merengue uh <laughs> was the performance i used to do when the strangers mm-hmm. come to the house mm-hmm. so i learned to perform really well mm. and in many instances i'm still performing mm. You know, I perform when I'm at work. I perform when I'm when I meet somebody new. I perform at networking uh, meetings. Uh, I'm I'm still this little boy, yeah, dancing to merengue to please my parents. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's not bad. So I'm getting the invitation to embrace that. Yeah. Uh, not as a way, not not like to fix it but to actually be with it and and take toll of the gap between it and whatever I say is my uh, greatest aspiration. Yes. And then play in that gap, like play. <laughs> right. So, you know, and, and play could look like this, right? Uh, Gio, would you like me to perform for you, man? <laughs> <laughs> right. I can, I can dance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then we can be playful about it. That's right. Yeah. Right. Because this is, it's so interesting to me. And you guys tell me if you, if you notice this and if you agree, two questions, if you notice, and if you agree, one of the things that, that connects us the most to other human beings is when they're like completely authentic and vulnerable. Then it's like when somebody is in their authenticity and their vulnerability, it pulls us in. It's like, wow, wow, I didn't know you felt that way. That was so powerful. And you feel connected to that person because they're showing you their true self. And yet, it's the thing that we're the most afraid of. We don't want to do it. So it's like this thing, it's like this oxymoron of like, the thing you want is the thing you most shy away from. And it's just, I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating because I I can observe myself doing it. I can observe myself performing for love instead of just asking for it. And instead of just being in it. And so then when I notice myself doing it, it's like, ay, que Bless her heart. Look at her over there hustling for her own worthiness. Isn't she adorable? She ain't got to do that. (laughs) She was born pre-approved, right? And so my invitation to you, is to take yourself on when you see yourself doing it, call it out. And then don't have it be like this big, bad monster under the bed. It's just a cute coping strategy that you used when you were a child and it worked when you were a child. And now you have another growth edge. Now you can just look at your coping strategies instead of being driven by them. And this is the way that as, as you think it, so can you become So I am so thankful that you were here for this particular episode of Spiritual Matters Thursday. So thank you so much, everybody, for being here. We love you. See you next time. 
the Daily Huddle, we agree that the best way to kick off the day is to adhere to Patty Dabrowski's seven principles for having a happy body, sexy skin, a laughing spirit, and a rewarding life. Give. Give of your time, your full attention, and of your unique talents. Move. Move your body to keep it feeling energized and alive. Eat mostly plants. Plants are the purest fuel to help you reach your full potential each day. Sleep. Sleep is how the body repairs itself and readies us to give us our best every day. Stress less. According to John Perkins, stress is just a problem without a solution. Choose your solution and dismiss the stress. Laugh. Laugh out loud. From your belly to your chest and with your head tossed back, you will fire up your endorphins and bring more energy to everyone around you. Love. Most of all, love. With your words, your thoughts, your actions, power them with love and watch the way you experience life elevate to all it can be. We thank you for joining us on The Daily Huddle. We are a growing tribe of passionate professionals seeking to inspire a new generation of leaders. Until next time, go out and share your unique ability to impact the world. See you next time.